Hey, everybody. Happy Friday. This is Trevin McGee from Lawrence.com, and I'm here with Eric Moline from SceneStealers.com. What up? How are you, buddy? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I missed you last week. I missed you, too. I you was... were hanging out with those weird comic book guys. Yeah, they wouldn't quit talking about their comic books. Yeah. I didn't know what to do, and then I got them distracted by Doctor Who. I, I asked him which doctor was oh, the best boy. doctor, and then oh, I just ran boy. out. I just ran out while they tried to figure that one out. Yikes. Of um, course, we're referring to our friends at the podcast Four color freakout. Is That's that right? Correct. Yep. That's the uh, name of it. At the website dadsbigplan.com. There you go. And Thank you for taking over for me last y- week. Yeah, guys. thanks for letting me be your guest. It was a lot of fun. Anyway, you're back, and I feel complete again for the first time <laughs> in, a, in a week. And uh, we've got a couple movies. Well, I've got two. You've got one to talk about with me. But, yes. Uh, this week, we've got Cowboys and Aliens. And uh, Crazy Stupid Love. Yeah. Now, before we get into either of those, I might say mm-hmm. that the best movie of the year uh, opens at Liberty Hall today. Please, please elaborate on the that Tree of Life statement. Oh, is coming to Liberty Hall this weekend. And okay. We've talked about it on on podcasts previous. Yeah. So we Ghost shan't talk about it past. now. No. Uh, perhaps you could look that up and and uh, put it in the in the maybe the the text for this one or something so people can link to it. But the Tree of Life is hands down my favorite movie of the year, um, and it's at Liberty Hall this weekend. So yeah, he has not stopped raving about it. Yeah. If you do nothing else, uh, if you turn this podcast off now, that's fine. Just Mom. go see that movie. Yeah. So that that. Out of the way. Yes. That shameless plug for that movie you like so I'm not much. getting any money from that movie, by the way. <clears throat> Whatever. Um, well, let's start with uh, Cowboys and Aliens, since we've both seen it. If we must. We have to. Okay. Contractually obligated. Um, it is John Favreau's new movie. He directed Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Zathura, Made. Yeah. Uh, and made. a little, little Oh, movie yeah. Called made as in uh, uh, Vince Vaughn. Yeah. M-A-D-E. Yeah. And Made in Manhattan. He directed Made in Manhattan. <laughs> really? No, I didn't know that. he didn't do that. But he, uh, I love Made. Made is my favorite of the two comedies starring those guys in the lead roles. I like yeah. it better than Swingers. I think it's hilarious. Cool. I will, I will take your word at it because I haven't seen it. I'm not a big fan of Favreau, i got to say, and this movie didn't really do anything to sway me in the opposite direction. Cowboys and Aliens, to me, um, re- it's it's the movie equivalent of a checklist. You yeah. Cowboys, you got Aliens, yeah. you're good it. to go. You're, you're good to go. That's and, the theory, at least. Yeah, that's the theory. Um, it's, ba- it's based, or the idea comes from a comic book. I've never read it, so I don't really care if it followed it I did a little research. Yeah. Did a little looking up online. What did you find? I found out that they have cowboys and aliens, and that's mm-hmm. about where the similarities end. Okay. Is there a magic uh, robot bracelet in, um, the, in the comic? Uh, okay, I didn't do that much research. I, I skimmed. I skimmed, to say the least. Um, but, you know, um, it took six people to write this movie. Yeah, over the over the the course of I don't know how many years, but yeah, we got Roberto Orsi and Alex Kurtzman. They both stepped in from Lost and Cloverfield and uh, Transformers Two fame. Uh, Star Trek, are, Star Trek, of course. Yeah. yeah, I forgot they're they're tied pretty close to Abrams and Lindelof. And then you got it produced by uh, Ron Howard and Steven Spielberg. Yeah, and Brian Grazer was in there too. Yep, yep. yep. So you got a pretty behind the camera at least you got a pretty all star setup. I mean, even in front of the camera, Harrison and I was going to say, Craig, you cut me off, but yeah, I was going to say, in front of it, you got some pretty uh, high caliber talent too. The supporting cast, 
Yeah, I was about to say, the supporting cast is fantastic, especially Paul Dano. I liked him a lot as the snivelly little creep that he, he is. He was great for all of five minutes I know. he was in the film. Well, I took a lot of pleasure in watching him getting roughed up by yeah. Daniel Craig at multiple points. That yeah. made me pretty happy. But you got Sam Rockwell, too. You can't forget underused him. Underused again. And Walton all, Goggins. All, Walton Goggins, <laughs> grossly underused. Yeah. Grossly underused. And uh, Clancy Brown. Yeah. Um, also underused terribly. So I think the big problem is uh, they had all the pieces, they had all the talent, and I think they just, I, honestly, I think it's script. I think oh, it comes definitely. down to being the script. Absolutely. Script um, and tone. I was about to say that too. You're, you're beating me to the punch here. I'm letting you beat me to the punch. I don't know which, but I'm going to start punching you in real life. Well, you're the only one that's seen the Steve Carell movie, so I got to get my knocks in now. Fine. Whatever. Anyway, yeah, the tone is the other problem. And I think the tone. It takes itself way too seriously for a movie called Cowboys and Aliens that doesn't wink ever. And that's fine, kind of. No, it would have really been fine if the script went to any sort of creative, original, fun, or exactly. interesting places. And instead, it's content to uh, to recycle a lot of Western cliches without bringing anything new to the table. Right. And in terms of and it's bringing to, in sci-fi, and it's supposed to get a pass they don't do for that. that either. Yeah, exactly. And it's supposed to get a pass for these cliches because it's a sci-fi movie or it's, you know, because of the, the tiny turn on the traditional archetypes that we've, we've seen in Westerns for the last 70, 80 years. It's, you know, supposed to be acceptable and it's not, it actually works against it very much. So, um, I was really just disappointed. I, a lot of wasted talent is what it feels like. Um, Harrison Ford is forgettable. Daniel Craig is forgettable. They both have just a craggy, grumpy, at least Daniel Craig has a pretty damn decent American West accent for a yeah. British guy. He does a good job with that. That's the most I can say for uh, for his role. And in he, this. you know, he believably kicks ass. That's the other right. thing. Is he looks he, intense. Yeah, he, he looks intense, and he, you know, like you can tell that he takes his physical role seriously, and he gets he gets down in it. And the problem take, is, takes is, his knocks is, with everybody else. Is that both the main characters, uh, <laughs> Harrison Ford and Daniel? Yeah, they're exactly the same. That's yep. what I was gonna say. So uh, you've got these guys with a, a they're past, both dark, a mysterious they past. past. They're violent they're looking men for redemption. Yep. Uh, and yes, these are the archetypes of of the western. But unfortunately, when you don't do anything new with them, and, and your script is so lifeless. I mean, John Wayne, uh, you know, uh, had had uh, he was an enigma, and uh, many times he was blessed with some some really funny dialogue and some great moments. There's none of that in this movie. No. It, it is it is the most by the books, humorless, rote kind of uh, western that you can get. And then when they meld that with the sci-fi element. And I, I use sci-fi lightly because essentially it's a monster movie. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, and and, and uh, the creatures on the screen, those, that's the best thing about the movie and the only parts of the movie, in my opinion, that worked at all. Um, but then uh, there, is no, there is no thinking to the sci-fi. The sci-fi uh, appears on the screen in the form of aliens and it's flying a, saucers, it's a but there's nothing to them. So yeah, it's a glorified – science fiction. Yeah, it's a glorified heist picture. Yeah. Uh, or yeah. rescue picture, or a rescue picture, yeah, yeah. but not good at either of them. Yeah, and it's not good at either of those. And it does, you know, it, maybe if you're just in the mood to see a, a western, you know, like if you just want to see a new western on this on the big screen, this will, you know, this will sate you. But if you want to see a western, then rent Three Ten to Yuma, yeah, or Open Range, or watch seasons one or um, the DVR of season two of Justified. That's a much better modern western or, or alternate take on on the western trope. Watch Justified. It's yeah. not cowboys and aliens, but it's actually likable and believable and and fun. Well, not really believable, but <laughs> it's not believable. It's not believable, but, but it does have Walton it is, Goggins. It, it's tangible how much fun they're having. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Um, and, and that's something that's really absent from this movie. It's really not even fun. Can I can I can I give some props about to the creatures though? Go ahead. So in a year where we've had uh, you know a whole bunch of aliens and and, and CGI uh, creations on the screen, the most underwhelming for me was uh, the creature from Super Eight. Yeah. And this is um, uh, similar uh, in some respects, but there's a couple differences that I thought were really key, and I I can't really talk about them without revealing too much. But these creatures feel in the moments of tension where they are close to uh, killing or hurting a, another character. Like yeah. they're tangible. Yeah. Like they're real. They're slimy. They're gooey. There's things coming out of them and touching people. You feel like they're actual uh, tactile beings. And I think um, that has to do with the design and the CGI. And, and yeah. it's really important. Those two melded. Uh, it worked. There's some really scary moments in this film for being, what, a PG-13 movie? Yeah. If there's yeah. young kids that you're taking to it, I would be aware of that. Yeah, for sure. Um, but and those are the only scenes that really work for me at yeah, all. Yeah, there, there's a couple of inspired sets, too. That turned-over steamboat is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but that also is because CGI. the creatures make it cool. Yeah. So that's – I think we've said all we really need to say about it. Olivia Wilde is is just – I mean, she's, not a, she's the, not a great <laughs> actress by any means, but she's just underused. She's just there and from gone. From the moment she appears on screen, it's completely obvious what she is. From the moment that Daniel Craig has his first flashback when we're supposed to believe that he's an amnesiac, yeah. we know – Everything about him. I'm, I'm not going to say it, but they show a flashback that's supposed to give you little hints, and everything they show you in that that ten or twenty second flashback pretty tells much you explains everything, everything you need to know for yeah. the rest of the film. So when they finally reveal it to you, like Super Eight, you're like, oh, that's it. Yeah, mm. yeah. I will give them kudos though. I mean, they they revealed the creatures pretty early on. They didn't drag that out or make that secret. If you get sort of you get a little hint of you know like what do they look like? What's there's a touch of mystery, but they they reveal it soon rather than drag it out and it it works in their favor because it doesn't give you time to build it up in your head or put any expectations on it so um kudos to the effects i guess yeah and and i i would also i would give a i would give some propers to the uh the fight choreography i thought the fight choreography was great i think the final conflict is a waste of time but anytime that people are fighting people in the movie. Mm-hmm. That first scene at the very beginning is really well done. And, and then the editing plays a lot into that too, but that was well done. So th- there are strong elements to it, but a weak final When the spaceships product. are lassoing people like <laughs> cowboys, that yeah. is awesome. Yeah, that's pretty good. The first time that happens, yeah. it's pretty good. But that's if you've awesome. seen that first trailer, you're Which not, not going to see anything different. That first teaser that Fair they enough. showed during the Super Bowl, it's pretty yeah. much, they just show you that scene. Okay. So. It's a little disappointing. Anyway, let's move on to something that I was actually pleasantly surprised with. Actually, I, actually, actually, let's see it two more times. Um, I was very surprised by how um, damn likable and and <laughs> and I I don't want to say it's not great, but it's good. It's better than I thought it would be. Say the title Crazy of the movie? Stupid Love. Crazy Stupid Love. Yeah, and it looks like here's the general uh, plot. Uh, Steve Carell is married to Julianne Moore, and their marriage is uh, dead in the water. And the movie starts with him um, getting a divorce, basically, um, or, or uh, deciding that they're going to get divorced. And it kind of goes from there. Carell spirals down and is just kind of pathetic and is trying to figure out how to be single for the first time in his life because he started dating her in high school and they got married at like 18. And um, he runs into this, this, uh, at this bar. It never really explains why he goes to this bar. But he goes to this bar and uh, ends up meeting this uh, Tomcat uh, played by Ryan Gosling. 
and Gosling takes pity on him. He reminds him of someone, which you find out later who that is. But he, but Carell's sad sack character reminds him of somebody, and so he takes pity on him and decides to take him under his little tomcat, you know, um, velour cloaked wing, and uh, turn him into a ladies' man. And so from the from the previews, that looks like that's what the story is. is it so just, it's the forty year old virgin after the divorce, right? That's what <laughs> that's what the previews make it look like, but it's actually not that at all. That that all of that happens in the first act. Oh, that's nice. So yeah, you, that's not drug out and turned into this thing. And then he finally meets Mrs. Wright at the end and gets to make his you know horrible bitch of an ex wife jealous. It doesn't do that at all. Cool. Actually, it's it it treats all those relationships with a certain amount of dignity and and complexity that is normally missing from romantic comedies. Um, that said, it's not above going to. Uh, it, it actually will reference cliche. It openly references one cliche, um, and it's not above going to sort of the same place that a lot of those kind of movies go to. Um, that sort of emotionally gratifying, spoon fed ending or resolution <clears throat> that definitely happens but there's the climax of the movie is uh hysterical and it it's it's like it reminded me of old uh it reminded me of old slapstick or or screwball comedy because they just they've got these there are these three or four separate plots going you've got steve carell trying to be single and trying to meet women you've got julianne moore trying to because she still has the house and the kids most of the time and she had an affair so she's trying to figure out whether or not she wants anything to do with the guy she had an affair with. You got Ryan Gosling's character who has somehow found someone and is now like is is now stro- dealing with the fact that he's in, he's in love and then it somehow like the the climax just builds takes everything that's going on separately and puts it together in a way you wouldn't expect. And then so it's it's absurd to start with but it's kind of like convenient absurd and then they add more and that's when it goes over the, when they add more to it you're like oh they're totally going for absurdist comedy here they're totally taking this sort of trite construction that we've seen in, in other romantic comedies and they're just taking it as far as they can and it works really well and it's really funny the punchline is both literal and hilarious and uh this it's disappointing how high that climax um sets the bar and then how just straightforward and kind of Meh. The actual conclusion the, is... Yeah, the resolution yeah. is. But overall, I was surprised. I was surprised how good it is. Emma Stone is in it. Um, she's great. Uh, Ryan Gosling is hilarious. I was surprised how funny he is. Great comedic timing, and I don't know how much time he spent on his character, but it's it's there. there's a certain level of care to his character that could have just been pawned off if someone like a Colin Farrell or an, an actor who would just be content to show up would have given it. There's a little bit more care to it. Uh, Carell is, is his usual funny self, and... Um, yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised, and everyone else was too. I mean, I talked to a lot of the critics afterwards, and there were a lot of people that were really, you know, like kind of taken taken aback by what they got because the trailer, the trailers and commercials, all the advertising makes it look like sort of every movie you've ever seen, right? And which, uh, if you're if you're into those kind of movies, they want to get you into the theater. Exactly. To see no, that. it totally makes sense. And you've got you've got two like older, attractive. Um, proven actors in Carell and, and Julianne Moore. And then you've got two young, like, de- and I, I don't want flavor of the moment sounds condescending, but two, like, very, they've got a lot of heat right now. They're so hot right now. Exactly. Ryan Gosling. so hot and, right now. Uh, Ryan Gosling and, and uh, Emma Stone, Gwen Stacy. Now, who, Spider-Man movie. Who, uh, who wrote this and directed this? I don't Are know why you asked me these things, because I don't know. Oh. I, I can't. Dan okay. Fogelman wrote it. Dan Fogelberg? Men. <laughs> 
The singer? Dan Fogelberg? No. No? He didn't write that. Was no it? one knows who that is. Oh. You're the only one who knows who that Sorry, is. Sorry, I'm 40. Yeah. Um, what about Dan Dan Fogel, the the, the fat guy comedian no, who was in Take Me Home Tonight? He didn't write it either. Balls of Fury. No, that guy didn't no. write it. This guy, Dan Fogelman. Who, Dan uh, Fogelman. I'm yeah. not familiar with his work. His name looked familiar, but I can't remember what he's done. And then, who directed uh, it? Well, the answer to your question, now that I've looked it up, is, what, uh, see the other is uh, Glenn Ficarra and John Rayqua. And uh, Glenn Ficarra wrote I Love You, Philip Morris, and John Rayqua. Also wrote, also I love wrote, you. I love you, Philip, Philip Morris. Morris, which was a movie that we both liked. Yeah, and Bad News Bears and Bad Santa, and they they both worked on Bad Santa together as well. I don't know if they did Bad News Bears together or not, but interesting. Anyway, so I, I I don't know if this is their first time directing. It looked like they had a couple other projects, but I I hope this opens some doors for them because it was very interesting. I mean, when they're when they're willing to go off script or go off the rails, um, good things happened, and the charm of the cast had a big you know part to play in why this movie was so successful so i don't know if you get a chance if you've got if you're if your back's up against this this weekend up against it this weekend you've got to choose between one or the other i would honestly rather see uh, crazy stupid love again over what cowboys and aliens oh absolutely yeah i'm excited to see crazy stupid love just from the way you talked about it and i don't ever want to see cowboys and aliens again yeah but if your back's up against the wall and you want to see a pretentious awesome two-and-a-half-hour epic masterpiece that rivals anything Terrence Malick has ever done, go see The Tree of Life. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I'm not going to fight you on that one. And, and admittedly, I should see it again, but um, it's been a little while, so I should give it a second give it a second chance okay i think honestly if i'm gonna be completely i will be completely honest i don't know why i said if to be completely honest uh i think part of the reason that i'm resisting it so much is because you like it so much (laughs) (laughs) yes because you've been so authoritative about how great and magical and wonderful it is it is all those things it's not all those things oh it is it much it very it's not magical it's not magical. You know, I think there is a lot of magic in it. I think actually. there's a lot of magic in how high your voice just went. Yeah, that was it was something else. That huh? was that was very pixie like. I, don't I, know I like the it. Tree of Life because it um it, it's about a vague sort of spirituality. I think yeah. that it's about a spirituality that's very specific to that Waco, Texas family in the fifties and that people around then may recognize, but it's it's they're not it's not preaching to you about religion or even one religion over the other. And in fact because of uh, the context it puts everything It's a very in. agnostic approach to yeah, religion. But because, because the context it puts it in, it gives you a perspective of who we are on this planet and how we fit in. And yeah. it doesn't make you uh, feel horrible about that. It just makes you think about it. No, I, I agree. Like that. I, I would agree with that. The thing that I would – the caveat I would add to it though is that all of that is interpreted through the vision of Terrence Malick. So, yes. So he's defined his own spirituality, and then he's applied it to his own life in Texas. Right. And so you're either going to agree with that ideology, or you're going to be turned off by it. Mm. And I was turned off by it. Mm. I think from a technical standpoint, it's a marvel. I think it's a marvelous movie to look at. I think the soundtrack, if the soundtrack doesn't win every award this year, I'll be very disappointed. Like, I don't think it can, because I think that they oh, does it have too many? a yeah, ton of uh, right. classical composers, oh, famous works. Um, so, yeah, right. yeah. so never but mind. But I don't know for sure. We'd have to, there are crazy rules about that. Yeah, there are. That's why There Will Be Blood didn't get nominated. That's right. why Johnny Lee Greenwood didn't get his 
his friggin' Oscar. It will, it will win for cinematography, hands down. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I'll be amazed if it doesn't. And, you know, I don't know what's, I don't even know what's slated for the rest of the year in terms of bigger um, art house movies or, you know, the dramatic season is upon us. We've, we have officially, I think, I think it was Captain America that got us over the summer movie hump. Yeah. And we're now on the downhill. We've got things like, you know, the, beginning the planet of the apes prequel we've got that and you know, i have to be honest i am excited that. about rise of the planet of the apes next week really yes i am not i am excited here's and the, i hated tim burton's plan here's of the my apes, but he has nothing to do with this. here's my problem yeah tim burton sucks i'll say it. tim burton sucks and hasn't done anything good since ed wood ed wood was the last good movie that he made and ed wood's a great movie but it's the last good thing he ever did i liked sleepy hollow that was after ed wood it, I I'm okay with it, but I don't. It's not nearly. As and good I didn't as, hate Big Fish. Yeah, I didn't hate it either. I owned it for a little while, but neither of those hold a candle to Ed Wood. No, and, Ed Wood is great, and Pee Wee's Big Adventure. And those one are is his masterpieces. Yeah, Pee Wee's Big Adventure is a masterpiece. Beetlejuice, I think, is a masterpiece. I think Batman. See, you, know, you don't hate Tim, but you were like, I, I told, hate I just Tim. said everything after uh-huh. Ed okay. Wood is terrible, yeah. and I, and I stand by that, um, or at least mildly watchable. That's terrible to mildly watchable. Terrible being like Alice in Wonderland and Planet of the Apes. Mildly watchable being Big Fish or... uh, Sweeney Todd? Sleepy Hollow or Sweeney Todd. Anyhow, tangent alert. But here's my my big plot hole with Planet of the Apes that I'm going to have a problem with. Gorillas and chimpanzees are endangered species. Okay. So how are they going to take over when they don't even have guns? Or don't any, they don't have anything. They I don't, don't have know. anything. I haven't seen the movie yet. So Are I they going to bite that. people and turn them into monkeys? Like, I don't know. Do, but do I, they have a de-evolution gun like I, from the Super Mario Brothers movie back they, in the 90s? Are they trying to tie this into Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes? I don't know. That's okay. the other thing. I, I was trying to figure I had to, I had to record a bunch of trivia questions yesterday, and yeah. that was one of them. I don't know if it's a if it's – I don't know which lineage or franchise or whatever it's connected to, but I don't think it's relevant because no, I hope it stands on its own. Yeah, because it can stand on its own, but besides that, like it doesn't that that shot where there's a ton of chimps on it, the the San Francisco Bay Bridge. Yeah. It's, it's just cool. like it's, it's really cool, cool looking, yeah. but that's every monkey in the world. You've yeah. somehow gotten every monkey in the world onto well, this maybe bridge. Maybe they came from space. Yeah. Who knows? I don't, it could it be just, space monkeys. That's going to be my biggest problem, I think, is just getting over the fact that the entire or maybe it was a pill. the sum <laughs> the sum total of the human race got overtaken yeah and you know at the zenith of our technological prowess right by apes by apes without yeah. guns or well i mean insects are, are among us right yeah. all over the place yeah. right so if the apes but were, monkey apes aren't insects <laughs> right that's what i'm saying they're a lot stronger so if there were as many apes as there are insects we'd be in trouble right and if that does that doesn't i don't know how they got there i haven't seen the movie sense. yet yeah i don't know uh Anyway, Let's wait till the movie think, comes out before gonna we be start the, arguing. I think about that's going to be the biggest hurdle for them to overcome. Is how do you explain how this giant militia of super intelligent monkeys overtook the entire human race? Well, it wouldn't be the first. I uh, want really stupid plot that we've witnessed this summer. I so. want a scene where two of the chimps get into a nuclear silo and have to turn the keys at the same time yeah. to launch the nukes. I want sweet. I want that if that's how it's going to happen. I want, I want them to, to somehow like ride trick an atomic their way. bomb. Yeah, with a cowboy hat on. Yeah, a little cowboy hat or just a bunch of bananas over his shoulder or yeah. something. Just banging on a banging on that bomb on his way down. Yeah. I don't know. I that's that's the last like semi big summer movie we've got and then I it's, believe that's it's correct. done. Yep. It's done. 
We've got a documentary that neither of us can, well, you might be able to make it to. We've got that awesome Tribe Called Quest documentary that they're screening next week at the Glenwood, but it's at 2 in the afternoon on a Wednesday. Yeah, I'm not going to see it. No, I can't. How Trey, can I? Trey is. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, com. there will be a review from Trey Hawk, so you can check that out. But beyond that, man, I, I'm, I'm out. I'm out of movies. You've, you've gotten to review some Blu-rays and stuff lately. Has anything come out worth uh, mentioning here? Yeah, actually. Uh, last week I reviewed Das Boot, which is um, one, of, one of the best. Uh, that's Paul Verhoeven from like. No, it's Wolfgang Peterson. That's what it's saying. Yeah. So before he became a big action director here in the States, uh, it's about a, a bunch of Germans on a U-boat during World War II. And it is the best, most claustrophobic, thrilling submarine movie uh, yet. And best, yes, I'm including The Hunt for Red October. Best steady cam, best steady cam use maybe ever. Yeah, in that movie. And it was originally filmed um, to be a, a, a miniseries. Three, on TV. Yeah, it was a three part television miniseries. And, Each piece was uh, two hours long or an hour and a half long. I know the final cuts like. So there's two four. cuts on this Blu-ray. That's why it's yeah. a big deal. They've got the theatrical cut, which is two and a half hours long. And the extended director's cut, which is three and a half hours long. <laughs> of course, if we were watching the actual cut from the show itself, which I don't even think is available anymore, uh, I believe that was five or six hours long. Yeah. So, but um, yeah, it's 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 a great use of Blu-ray technology to be able to allow that. Uh, those those different cuts yeah. on there, um, and there's a lot of extra bonus stuff about it. Um, some other things that are that are out um, that have not impressed me: this horrible uh, 300 like uh, martial arts meets a western film called The Warrior's Way, okay, uh, with a Korean star named Jung Dong Gong or Dong, and uh, 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 who Kate Bosworth and Jeffrey Rush. It's just a mess. Um, this week I reviewed uh, Take Me Home Tonight with Topher Grace, oh, yeah, you, which you, is a shameless 80s <clears throat> comedy that um, doesn't do anything more than uh, point to the big hair and the bright yeah. clothing. Uh, but like it cocaine. wants to be something more than that. And then the, the other movie I, d- I reviewed this week was Limitless, which is uh, very Cooper, limi- limited, right. uh-huh. actually. Yeah, if I could put the little pun that's in a, there. That's a Rex Reed headline. It's Limitless. Limited. It's limited. Um, no, but it, it's, I don't get Inception. So they have they have uh, this premise that you take this pill and you unlock your your hidden potential. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the, the side problem, effect of the pill? Spoil that because I'm never going to see it. And I don't <laughs> the care. side effect of the pill is mm-hmm. uh, if you keep taking it, mm-hmm. it's like any drug, like heroin, and you die. That's it. That's it. Yeah, there is no cool sci-fi element to this movie. It is just either you take this pill all the time and you get addicted to it and you unlock your potential and you speak languages and you master the stock market and become uh, a rich man and you can enjoy your life. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but but you will eventually burn out on it. Um, and when you don't have it, it's like coming down quickly and horribly and then you die because everybody else that has taken it dies. And so... Um, it becomes a movie about drug addiction, and that is not clever or funny or interesting at all. So, mm-hmm. it's who directed a, that one? Um, Neil Berger. Yeah, he's got some projects in the works, works yeah. now too. I think it's very slick. It looks really good. It's very slick, um, but it doesn't. There's nothing to it. I like slick things. Yeah. Anyway, but. so if you're gonna see a Blu-ray, uh, if you're gonna rent a Blu-ray or a, a DVD, Das Boot. Das Boot. Yeah, it's it's a. I saw it way back in the. I saw it a long time ago and, and just flipped for it, but I haven't seen it in a long time. Okay, I know where Neil Berger's from. Never mind. I won't bore us with that. But short version is he's making a... Uh, they just... Um, they were going to do Uncharted, uh, Drake's Fortune, based on the PlayStation 3 video game. Mm. And um, 
David O. Russell was attached to it, and surprise, he dropped out. Um, and, and he'd cast Mark Wahlberg as the main actor and then dropped out and took Wahlberg with him. So they handed it off to Neil Berger, and now we'll see. There's an internet campaign that wants to get Nathan Fillion to play the lead role as Nate Drake, but we'll see if that happens. Anyway, so there's your random fact about Neil Berger. I don't know anything about video games. No, you don't. Not at all. All right, well... Well, we're going to go. Um, you guys have a good weekend and see Tree of Life. See Crazy Stupid Love. Don't see Cowboys and Aliens if you if you don't want to, I guess. I don't care if you really want to see an action movie. I, there are better ones out right now. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>